Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Donevsky, and in this episode, I talk to Timothy Hathaway from Prevent Child Abuse New York. There are so many different ways that this organization is tackling the issue of child abuse. I think that when you hear Timothy speak, you'll hear just how passionate he is about his work, and I think you'll find it infectious and want to get involved. I hope you enjoy. I'm on with Timothy Hathaway, the Executive Director of Prevent Child Abuse New York, which is a state chapter of Prevent Child Abuse America. Timothy, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you, Brooke. I appreciate the opportunity. And to start, could you share a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, absolutely. So, um, I am trained in social work, um, so that's kind of the, the field that I, I've been um, working on. Much of my professional life has been spent in children and family services, and um, some of that's been um, in uh, child care, but predominantly in the world of Head Start and early Head Start. And then for the last 11 years, uh, it's been working with Prevent Child Abuse um, in a couple of different states, both in New York State, but also in the Midwest. Nice. And could you explain a little bit more about why you decide to get involved in the organization? Sure, sure. So um, I spent a lot of years, um, over 20 years, working with Head Start and Early Head Start programs. And if you know that program at all, you know that um, it, it really is a, is a whole family approach, you know, that Head Start kind of tries to um, serve children directly in um, either home-based services or center-based services, but it really pulls the family in and they, they spend a lot of time and energy connecting with families as a way to really support the whole child and, and ensure that that child has a great start to life. And through my experiences with Head Start, um, one of the things that I really um, came to understand is that building strong families is critical um, to really helping communities. So families make up communities. And so um, when there are more strong families in communities, communities do better. And um, for children to thrive and to meet their full potential, they need a strong family behind them. And um, so this work of child abuse prevention that I'm in really is an outgrowth of that thinking that, um, and sometimes we get caught in this idea that, oh, we're, we're stopping um, child abuse, and we are. That's, yeah. that's a big part of it. But probably as important and more important is focusing on how do we make strong families because strong families protect kids and they keep them safe. Makes sense. So you take a very... It sounds like you approach the issue definitely like in a larger way than you not only care about the individual child, but you also care about the families. I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. We, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, there, there's this um, theorist, this psychologist that that always said, you know, there there is no infant outside of its mom, which is kind of a weird statement, right? But but the idea is that 
you know, children have to be um, connected to caregivers and to adults in their lives that really care for them and cherish them. And, and so um, this idea that we've got to build strong families to make great kids, is that's, that's just part of it. Makes sense. That sounds great. And could you talk a little bit more about how the organization itself was formed? Sure, sure. So um, we uh, were formed in 1980. So we've been around for a few years, 45 yeah. years this year, uh, or, um, give or take. And we've, so um, the, the history, the connection to that is that um, for a long time, people have known that child abuse existed. But then in the late 60s and in the 70s, there was this increased understanding and awareness that child abuse was very, very harmful to kids. And um, it's not that people didn't care about it before that, but at that point in, and especially in America's history, it became something that was very, very recognized and people began to pay attention. And so during the 70s, we saw a lot of TV specials about you know kids that were being abused, and that heightened people's awareness. And so around the country, in the late 70s, early 80s, a series of organizations really began to, to spring up, and Prevent Child Abuse New York was one of those um, that came into being specifically to focus on primary um, child abuse prevention. So primary means kind of working with the entire population to raise awareness and to build understanding and find ways to, to make stronger families. So um, from that work in the 1980s, um, our organization has, has grown. We've added a few things. We've kept a few things. Um, and so now we've kind of landed where we're at right now. Um, and I'll roll right into that, kind yeah. of what we're working on. Um, <laughs> Sounds is, good. Yeah, so, so three primary things that we do across the state of New York. The first one is about raising the public awareness of this issue, and, and we've touched on this already. Yeah. Part of the trick we think is that, that there are a lot of misconceptions about um, child abuse that are out there. So a, a, a good for instance is that, um, you know, we talk about sexual abuse, and, and we do quite a bit of work around sexual abuse prevention, but, you know, there's been this, this thinking that sexual abuse was perpetrated by some some guy driving around the neighborhood in a white van and he would snatch your kid and hurt your kid. But the reality is that most children who are sexually abused know the person that abused them. And the family knows the person. And so there's a big misconception there. Another misconception is that um, a lot of um, sexual abuse is actually perpetrated by kids on younger kids and we don't we don't think about that a lot but oftentimes kids that have been exposed to some abuse or um, maltreatment then will act out that behavior on a younger child that's vulnerable so that's that's one example um, we also you know we don't talk about this enough but neglect is is a big slice so in New York State for instance um, there are something like 65,000 um, cases of child abuse every year. So that's a, that's a huge number. Of those 65,000, about 
90% of those involve neglect, child neglect in some way. So, you know, we always, we always think about, well, you know, it's kids getting, you know, smashed in the face or sexual abuse, but the much, much larger problem really is, is child neglect. And it's much, it's very, very serious because oftentimes neglect will directly harm a child's development. So if that's nutritional neglect, dental neglect, um, school neglect, any of those kind of things really harm development of a child. So, so that's the body of work that we do around kind of raising awareness and building understanding. Part of the, the other thing is that the shift from we gotta, we gotta prevent this to we gotta build strong families. So that seems like maybe an easy shift, but a lot of times people are really focused on, well, somebody hurt a child, so we've gotta punish that person. And there, there are circumstances where people have broken the law, they have hurt children tremendously, and they, they absolutely have to be accountable for that. So I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that many times families don't mean to hurt child, their children. They don't wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to hurt my kid today. That's, yeah. that's not it. <laughs> not realistic, yeah. Do is they wake up in the morning and they're overwhelmed by life circumstances and they get angry and they're frustrated and they lash out in a way that harms a child and so the antidote to that really is building those strong families so that's a big piece of what we're doing is working on public understanding of the issue second thing we do is training and technical assistance we do this all over the state of New York go to communities and work with communities about how do you build strong families and communities know how to do a lot of that but sometimes it's helping them understand so how do, you, how do you put it all together? How do you make it work? How do you get organizations to work together? What are, what are the tools that we need? How do we equip ourselves at a community level to do prevention work? So we do a lot of that. Um, and there are specific programs, early childhood home visiting, um, child care programs, police forces, libraries, um, state legislators, all kinds of people that we spend time doing trainings with. Faith faith-based groups, um, all of those are important. And then the third area for us is around policy and advocacy. There are tons of policy decisions that are made both at state legislature, so the state capitol, we, we work there um, trying to impact laws um, and funding and people's understanding and perspectives about this. But frankly, a lot of stuff happens at the community level. So school districts that make decisions about, you know, uh, here's the quick example. So if, if your school district um, has the idea that if a, if a kid misbehaves and say throws a chair across the room um, in class, if the school says automatic suspension, that kid's got to go home and they're out of, out of school for a week. So what we did for that child is a, we ignored that there's an underlying problem there. There's something going on for a child there. Yeah. Um, B, we sent a child home to maybe a spot where there's nobody to care for them. And three, we just isolated that child. And isolation is one of the worst problems yeah. around child abuse. So getting policymakers, whether it's your local school district or whether it's you know the, the law enforcement people or whether it's the people at the state capitol, getting all of those policy member, um, member makers to really rethink how do we do this work, how do we build strong families. Yeah, it seems like an important aspect of what you're saying is how 
besides just punishment, it's also important to create a change and not just a negative results of actions, but also while consequences are important, it's also important to see where this issue is coming from. And also, you kind of touched upon this idea of like a cyclical nature with abuse and how if one person experiences abuse, they might be the type of person who then go on to abuse someone else. So would you say that's really important to kind of get to the root of that and stop it before it becomes more of an issue? Yeah, absolutely. So so what we, what we know is that kids that are exposed to um, abuse early on or, you know, in their experience, what that does is that that impacts um, kind of how they're how they're put together, right? So it, it changes their coping ability. It changes their understanding of relationship and how to build nurturing relationship. Um, it it changes their sense of trust and you know how how we have to be in the world. So all of those things are impacted, and then it starts to impact, um, especially their ways of dealing with um, their own stress, their own anxiety, their own you know feelings that are really strong and powerful. And so what we do see is a lot of cyclical kind of things related to um, those bad experiences translate into relationships that those people have. Then so so if. If you're you're an adult and now I'm raising children, and and I had that experience, then how am I going to do this? Not not every person that's that's abused as a child um, is going to be a parent that abuses another person. Yeah, of course. But what we know is that for for people who have been through abuse, um, they're impacted in ways that really make it much more difficult for them. To, to function in, in some of those really central ways to building strong relationship doesn't mean they can't so it's not it's not a life sentence um, to bad things but what it means is that people need support and guidance to help get through some of that yeah it definitely seems to emphasize even more the importance of on top of just punishment also creating actual change which is what your organization does yeah, yeah. And could you talk about how coronavirus, how the virus has impacted your work and the people that you're supporting right now? And yeah, just how it's affected prevent child abuse. Sure. So, uh, man, that, that, that's huge. And I, I would just say that um, thank you to all of the people who have been involved in dealing with this crisis. It, it is... Um, We've been connected with a lot of families, a lot of people who are um, frontline workers who are really struggling with childcare providers, with um, home-based providers that are, that are still working, that are still trying to get the job done. So thanks to all of those people. Um, in terms of impact, um, multi multifaceted really. Um, one, obviously, I'm sure that you've heard that um, because people that typically see children and would say, hey, wait a minute, there's something happening here that's not right. Those people that, that report, doctors, teachers, um, people in the community, they're not seeing those kids as much. And so that is a big concern. And we know that there's been a drop in the number of um, child abuse reports 
that's a concern um, because we, we, if we don't hear about those reports, then that's a big problem. We also know that there has been an escalation in the number of domestic violence cases, and um, that is also a concern because children who are exposed to domestic violence um, really are being exposed to a type of violence that equates to child abuse. And sometimes we don't think about that, that domestic violence really is, is an abusive action on kids. But, but in so many ways, it creates just the kind of trauma and violence in that child's experience that, that child abuse does. So the, those are big concerns. Um, we know that many families are faced with food shortages. Um, with real, real serious challenges in terms of transportation and social isolation um, and finding the sort of support that they need for their family to stay strong. So um, there's, a, there's a whole broad array of, of impacts in that way. I think another side to the impact has been on organizations that are helping kids and families. So um, we work with hundreds of community-based organizations around the state, they are a really pressed because it's hard for them to get to families and serve families. They found a lot of workarounds and they're doing a great job of kind of staying connected with families even through some of the complexities. The other pressure is that a lot of the community-based organizations, because of all the pressure against the state budget, are now facing pressure themselves because of the complexities of, of shortages at the state level impacting what's going on for, for community-based organizations. A lot of them work on government grants, government funding. And so if the state, the state is coming up short, then those organizations are, are also struggling. Yeah, so it seems like donating is really important now, especially. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think... Um, if, if you are giving to an organization, um, don't stop. Now is the right time to give. And it's interesting, this idea that you brought up about how abuse can take the form of almost even witnessing something that can be traumatizing to a child. So it's definitely, I feel like, an important topic that people don't always necessarily recognize or realize. And... Um, how, what would you say are some important signs that a child might need help, even now with everything going on? How do you think people can recognize these important signs? I, I always start with, um, first of all, know, know kids. Get to know kids and take time to talk to kids, to ask them about their world. Um, and sometimes we, as adults, we get kind of caught up in those standard questions. Well, how old are you? And what, what grade are you in? <laughs> but, but to maybe get past those and ask kids about, so what do you really like to do? What's your favorite food? You know, where, where, where do you like to play? Who's your best friend? Some of those deeper level questions help us get to know people. That's how we do it as adults, right? We start to ask those deeper level questions. And so I say get to know kids because... When kids are facing traumatic experiences or child abuse, their behavior oftentimes changes. Okay? And sometimes that's very pronounced. Sometimes that's very subtle. Um, and so again, 
getting to know kids is, is an important aspect of this. But we look for changes in behavior. So the kid that's really gregarious and outgoing, maybe all of a sudden gets really quiet and just doesn't want to engage with people. Or, you know, maybe sometimes it's a kid who's really quiet and something happened and now they're trying to, you know, kind of act that out and they're angry or they're, you know, really um, loud and boisterous. So that's the thing to look for. Um, we, we always say that, that any sort of um, unusual physical um, injury to a child, whether that's, you know, bruises. Now, kids, kids fall down and they get, you know, bumps and bruises and, you know, they might bump their elbows or their knees or their, you know, bump on the head. But if kids have, you know, marks on their, in the middle of their, their um, bicep or on their thighs, um, any any mark that would happen, you know, in an unusual spot that is um, unusual bruising or bruising with a pattern or anything like that, we need to pay attention to that. We need to report that. Um, in in terms of thinking about um, things like sexual abuse, obviously, we're looking for you know a child who has knowledge about sex that is above their developmental level, uh, so. You know, that could be a kid that, you know, maybe has got some, some terminology that's like, wait a minute, where did that come from? doesn't always mean it's abuse, but what it does mean is that we need to pay close attention to that and it may need to report. Any child that is displaying any sort of um, unusual behavior around um, sexuality, like maybe exploring, you know, aggressively exploring like with, with other kids or even sometimes with other adults where the, the child is, is um, acting out sexual behaviors on, you know, other kids or something like that. We got to pay attention to that. What we always want to do um, around any of that stuff is we want to, we want to understand that some of, some of those behaviors can be in part developmental, um, but we also want to know that there's, there's signal flags to pay attention to and, and to watch. And a lot of times, so I'm going to go on a rant for <laughs> just a second, so bear with me. So a lot of times as parents, so I'm a dad, I'm, we've got four boys. Sometimes when, when the sex comes up, parents back away. They're like, oh, man, I don't want to have to talk about that. That's too hard to talk about with my kids. But the reality is, is that when we don't talk with kids about sex, even starting from a, a very young age, when we don't talk with them in a developmentally appropriate manner, so we gotta, we can't, you know, go into all, all the details with very young children, but we gotta do that in a stage process, and it can't be just one conversation. Well, I talk to them about sex. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. So we gotta, we gotta talk with kids. There are a lot of great books out there about talking with your kids about sex, but. I recommend parents find that kind of a book, talk with their, read that book, talk with your kids about sex, and, and what is as important, more important, is relationship, because that's that's what we're really hoping for, right, is that kids will develop a capacity to build strong, loving, caring relationships, and that that, that becomes a part of that. So. Um, that's that's my rant for a little bit. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think it's definitely important that kids are getting information almost from people that they can trust and r reliable sources before they have to really 
before they're in situations that they don't really know how to handle for themselves. So I definitely think yeah. that's important. Yeah. So we always ask this question a lot of times in our trainings. We'll, we'll say, so who do you want your child to learn about sex from? Do you want them to learn about that from their eight-year-old classmate? Do you want them to learn about it from some other adult that you don't know? Do you want them to learn? Who do you want them to learn about sex from? So, and most parents are going to say, well, I, I want them to learn about that from me so that they have a, you know, a healthy understanding of that. So if you want them to learn about it, you're going to have to teach them. And so that's, that's, uh, that's a tough one. It's, it's hard for me. I remember the first time I talked with, with um, my oldest son uh, and we had a book, thank goodness, because I was scared to death. But, but it's tough. It's not easy, but it's important. Yeah, and could you talk a little bit more about, you already kind of touched upon it, but what to do if you're in a situation where you're realizing something's wrong and how you can report it and what you can do as an individual? Yeah, so um, it, it is really, really important that people um, report child abuse, and I apologize, I don't have the, the phone number for New York State handy, but... There, there is a crisis number, a child abuse hotline number that you can call to report child abuse. And what happens with that is it goes to a central um, intake at the state level, and then those um, reports are pushed out to the appropriate county. So um, if I'm reporting about child abuse in Albany um, County, then it goes into that state system, but then it's, it's delivered to the Albany County people who need to deal with that where the child lives. So um, report. It is not your job to prove that a child is being abused. If you think something is going on, if you just are suspicious that a child is being harmed, you can call. The other thing I say to people, and and this is, you know, this is, um, it seems too simple, but it's the truth and it's the reality. Build relationship with the kids around you, because, and, and I I so appreciate the people um, that deal with child abuse reports and social workers that are that are part of that system, police officers that are responding to that. But but what we know is that even after a child goes through a child abuse report. They still need relationship. That's the way they heal, because that's what we hope for for kids, because we, we have not figured out a way to completely stop child abuse. Um, but what we know is that, that what helps children immensely is to find healing after that experience. And healing most often comes through relationship. And so I, I say to people, one of the best things you can do is those kids that live down the block, talk to them, talk to their parents, say hello to them, wave to them, you know, get to know what they're interested in, um, because that's, that's how we really do this work. And have you ever had any experiences that made you realize how impactful Prevent Child Abuse, this organization is? you know, so so my first response to that, and I don't want this to come out the wrong ways, but I, I every day, yeah. <laughs> every day, I, I have that experience. So today, while we're talking right now, I'm actually in um, Chautauqua County, and um, 
we're doing training about how to help organizations um, be more effective in supporting people who have gone through trauma like child abuse. Mm -hmm. so, so we're working on how do you, how do you transform an organization to, to better help kids deal with the trauma that they face in their lives. And in our meeting today, um, we had somebody that, that started talking about um, how, as an organization, um, sometimes they don't feel, even as staff, they don't feel appreciated in, by some of the things that are happening in the organization. But, but we, we talked through that and we came to a point where people said, you know what, there are some things that we can change, that we can do differently in, in our organization that are going to make a big difference about how we feel and that's going to make a difference for the families that we're working with. So um, that's a small example, um, but I could go on and on and on. Yeah. Literally, I, I think every day I'm, I'm encountering ways that we're connecting with families, connecting with uh, professionals and people in communities that makes a difference. Yeah, it definitely seems like Prevent Child Abuse is an organization where you can really see for yourself firsthand the impact of your work. So I think that's really interesting and cool. And uh, could you just talk about how people can best get involved and leave us with one thing that you'd really like to emphasize? So um, my favorite thing, I, always, I say this a lot, um, the best way you can get involved is um, get to know the kids and families in your neighborhood. Um, that, it's, it sounds super simple, but it's, it's the truth. Um, that really does help strengthen families help strengthen kids. Um, I, I always say to people that um, child abuse prevention um, is, is about building strong families and strong communities. And so that means um, if you're volunteering in, an, in something that's, that helps families and support, supports families, then bravo because you're doing the right thing to help help build those families. So if that, if that means you're volunteering in your church and teaching Sunday school, awesome. If you're coaching your kid's um, soccer team or um, helping out with, you know, um, selling stuff and you're a friendly person and you're saying, I care about you as a kid and I want you to do well, that's child abuse prevention because it's building strong relationships. People can get involved with the work that we do uh, because literally in just about every county in the state of New York, we've got some sort of project or program that's going on. Um, so they can certainly reach out to um, Prevent Child Abuse. You can find us on on the internet at um, preventchildabuseny.org, so that's easy to get to. People can always email me directly, and, and I have people emailing me often saying, hey, we'd like to get involved, what can we do? And um, when we do, we talk about that a little bit, and then we figure out, okay, how do we plug in? So people are welcome to, to um, send me an email, and I don't know if you're going to list my email, but you're welcome. Yeah, I'll list it, definitely. Um, we, and we love it, and, and you know, sometimes um, people are, are great writers, or maybe they're like you, and they're a person who's really skilled at putting together, you know, stuff like this. Thank you. Know, you. Blog stuff or stuff. Yeah, but... Or maybe there's somebody who, who just you know wants to make masks. Literally, we had 
we had a, a group of people that um, made a bunch of masks and gave them to our organization because we're out in the community a lot. And so mm -hmm. that, that was a huge help for our staff. Um, those, so there are a lot of different things that people can, can bring to this kind of work. And, and so we'll welcome in. Yeah, well, I, I really learned a lot from this. So thank you. This is definitely an interesting conversation to have. And I hope that other people really contribute in any way possible because I think that there's a lot that can be done and a lot that you're clearly doing already. Well, thank you.